Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Record Book Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Smith, filling in for Danny Kelly, who, like most people on FA Cup weekend, is taking a well-earned break. Alongside me today, making her record book debut, no less, is comedian and Crystal Palace fan, Chloe Petz. Welcome, Chloe. Hello, Mark. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. I'm very thanks excited to be here. Thanks for coming on. Uh, this, is, uh, this is nice to have you on your debut show. Are you nervous? No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not nervous. A lot um, to live up to. Yeah, lots to live up to. Um, you know, obviously it's sad that Danny's not here um, with uh, some of his sort of uh, famous digressions, but I'm sure you well, and I can be equal. tell what they're missing. That's the, the worst thing you can do. We, we, we can equal his ramblings, I'm sure. <laughs> don't, don't call them ramblings, are they? <laughs> Regular listeners at this point will know the drill, but if you're just tuning in for the first time, we'll be picking the bones out of the footballing weekend by picking our winners, losers, heroes and villains. <laughs> time here. West Ham nil, West Brom one. You can't blame David Moyes in any way, shape or form. His team selection at the beginning was strong and at half-time after a pitiful first half display from the Hammers, he made three changes to try and change it. I'm 33 and mate, you know this like, I've been doing this now for 15, 16 years. You can't rely on that to come on at half-time in an FA Cup game. You shouldn't, that shouldn't, shouldn't be like that. I can't change the ownership of Manchester United. No one can. I'm struggling to understand for the life of me why the ownership have persisted in trusting that management team to oversee the building of a Premier League title-winning team since Sir Alex Ferguson's left. Right, then we'll start with the worst performance of the weekend. FA Cup weekend, of course. No Premier League action this time round. Uh, Chloe, who have you picked for your worst performance? Well, I've gone, I've gone for, for West Ham, but I'd like to go at it via uh, Hammerhead. The, Who's Hammerhead? The Hammerhead is... The mascot of West Ham, and he raced um, the infamous Boiler Man of West Brom. Uh, <laughs> okay. Greatest mascot in football, I would argue. Um, <laughs> and and obviously, so he's um, he, they're racing at the London Stadium, which is famously the athletics track of the Olympics. Usain Bolt was the last person to race there <laughs> and uh, now Hammerhead and, now Hammerhead. and uh, Boiler Man are reaching those lofty heights but Hamm- Hammerhead won the, the, the half-time race but I can't say that it was a great performance because it, it's, it's sort of a hammer forged in lightning and steel yes. uh, against a boiler and yep. he's sort of running it and he's goading him. And it kind of r- reminded me a little bit of the West Ham fans celebrating um, being Bournemouth the other week. Because it's like, yeah, you should celebrate, you should be happy, but you shouldn't go because it's Bournemouth at the it's end like of the day. It's like when a, a, a dad smashes in a, a goal against his five-year-old son <laughs> exactly. in the back garden and then 
puts your shirt over his head and <laughs> or that, that sprints around the garden. Video of Owen um, scoring <laughs> goals against a 13 year old and well just done, going, mate, Come 13. on, Michael, yes, get in, son. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel quite right. But, however, there is a choice you'll make later on in the show which I think flies in the face of what you're arguing here. Yeah, but I just think um, that, that there is. But um, I'm a hypocrite, if, if okay. I'm anything. Uh, but, but yeah, I just, I just think it, it was a bit too much. But, and I think it came in the context of uh, an absolutely dire West Ham performance, which I think would yes. be my more serious answer. Well, talk us through that. How much of that did you watch? How much of that could you watch? I, I thought it was r- maybe the lowest point of West Ham season so far. And, it, and there have been very low points. Yeah. Uh, I watched. I watched the extended highlights, um, and I just thought it was uh, incredibly, incredibly poor. Um, there was no sort of um, dynamism, no sort of heart. I think the midfield is really poor because when you when you look at it, they've got some decent players in there. Mikel Antonio's pretty good. Manuel, Manuel Lanzini, Spassian Haller, they're all players that should be should be doing well. But I just think, yeah, the dynamism in midfield is is completely poor, and there seems to be a lack of desire. And their game plan just seemed to be try and get it in the box. Mikel Antonio have a run at them. If not, then just Declan Rice have a shot from long range. Yeah, that was a strange one. Declan Rice, their appointed holding midfielder, was the one trying to drive things forward and get shots away. And it just, it just seemed such a strange... I don't think that can be a, a tactic they'd discussed beforehand. It just seemed to be that that's what it had come to by about 30 minutes in against yeah. against a team that granted the top of the league and the championship but haven't been on good form. And I couldn't work out whether it was a uh, bad performance and, and, and indicative of West Ham being a championship team or West Brom performing to the level of a Premier League team. Couldn't work out which way around it was. I think it's probably a combination of the two. I think we we should also remember that West Ham only made four changes and West Brom made eight, which is uh, another telling factor that that it was West Brom that were kind of playing their their second string team. Um, yeah, I, I just think something's not working under Moyes, and I don't know whether it's they're not getting the new manager bounce because he's not a new manager, mm-hmm. um, and and obviously Darren Randolph was playing in goal, and that was sort of a uh, a reverse a revision a rev- whatever the word I'm trying to say is to sort of older times. It feels like the club is very much in stasis or moving backwards rather yeah. than moving forwards. By the way, on Randolph, am I harsh to say that his feet were very slow for the goal? Uh, I don't think you're harsh to say that at all. I, I okay. I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> Fine, that's Motion good. passed. <laughs> uh, with regard to David Moyes, um, are we seeing that actually it's you don't always get the new manager bounce, as you, as you mentioned? Yeah. Has Hasenhutl showed us that maybe this season there is a lot of the time there is an argument for keeping with your manager and letting him get through that hump? In his case, it was the, the 8-0 home loss to, to Leicester. Nine, yeah. Nine? Yeah. Blimey, it's got worse than I remember it. <laughs> um, would they have been better with Pellegrini or do you think that ship had long sailed? I think that ship had long sailed. I think... Um, I think it's I think it's good to stick with a manager if you can see the promising signs that uh, yeah if you can see the signs that change is afoot and it's it's sort of a long term project like like Arteta at um, at Arsenal yeah I would say you know it's not been a great start but there is there are signs of life there and give him a couple of transfer windows it's going to be better it's been a, it's been a poor start from Arteta but I think the vibe around the club. Is improved. Yeah, particularly Whereas, around the supporters uh, and looks like the players, but certainly the supporters seem to be a lot happier now drawing at Bournemouth than they were before. Yeah, and and but then if you look at sort of someone like Ollie, you know, Man United are saying we're going to stick with him, but um, y- you can probably sense that 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 that's not going to be um, left much longer. Well, here's a, a stat for you. Go on. Um, 
In the last four days of West Ham's games, there have been five, five half-time subs, which means that it looks like Moyes really doesn't know what his starting eleven is, and it also looks like he is ready to make changes when necessary. I mean, as a player, what, what would you make of that? Would you be... Does that keep you on your toes, do you reckon, or does that just drain your confidence? I don't I don't think it would uh, keep you on your, your toes per se, because I, I feel like there's a general sort of consensus that even if things are going wrong if you believe in your plan and you're happy to stitch your plan and think that it's going to pay off but if Moyes' plan at, after 45 minutes is he's losing confidence in it I, mm. I don't imagine that that can be a very uh, good thing no. for a player to be feeling So Chloe Petz on your debut your first choice has been for worst performance of the week it's been West Ham United but through the prism of Hammerhead the Sharks arrogant display He's not a shark what is but it? he is arrogant. Oh, he's a hammer, but yeah, I think of ham- hammerhead sharks. It should be a hammerhead shark. Why not? But I think it's, I think it's a lovely sort of pun on on the notion of a hammerhead shark. Yeah, and also because he's a, literally got a hammer for a head. But a hammer is is also maybe more family friendly than an aggressive, vicious shark. But anyway, um, so. I'm going to pick my worst performance, and mine for this week is uh, Ed Woodward, the Manchester United. Uh, what would you call him? What even is he? He's not a director of football. He's an executive at the club. He seems to run everything. He seems to run literally everything. He's the guy that does all the business deals, getting the noodle sponsors. Mm. But he also seems to be in charge of getting transfers in. Now, he's had a rough couple of years at the club. He's probably had a rough five or six years at the club. The fans seem to have reached a tipping point now since that 2-0 home loss to Burnley. And he's decided, in his wisdom, to bring in a new PR. And a PR he's brought in to enhance Edward Wood's image and make him look like a soft, cuddly guy at the helm of the biggest club in the world, is a guy called Neil Ashton, who was the host of Sunday Supplement, and he has now been charged with making sure that the United and the board and Ed Woodward look good. The problem with this is that it's a bit of a spectacular own goal for me, this, because anyone who writes any story now in the papers about United or Ed Woodward being good is suddenly going to be seen to be in the pocket of this new PR. My problem with it is, if you're going to have a PR be hired, don't make them the story. Don't make it public because it's so see-through. They're, they're treating the fans like mugs here, Chloe. And if I was a United fan, I'd be really furious at this. Yeah, and I, I do think, yeah, they've really shot themselves in the foot. And I, I do think um, Woodward seems to be a bit of an egomaniac because I think he needs to get a director of football but he's insistent that he's going to do it himself. Yeah. And obviously... The, yeah, the next move should be getting a director of football and not getting someone to give you a lovely, cuddly image. Well, this is this is the bad thing. The, the, the fans are there and they've been waiting all month for Bruno Fernandes, for yeah. example. It's a saga that rolled on and on and on last summer. It's rolled on and on again this January. That's who they want through the door. They might not be right about that. The fans might not know about that player at all. And like as we know, a YouTube highlights clip is not the same thing as watching a player week in, of week course. out. But they want a player in and we know that they need players there to strengthen that first team. So for Woodward to spend his time going off and hiring a guy to make sure he looks good is a spectacular own goal. It goes against what PR should be. It make you look good. Yeah. Do it's you, a disaster. Do you think they did sort of like a transfer um, <laughs> announcement of Neil Ashton where it was like Ashton on the back of the shirt and he I was wearing so. a shirt as well? What number would he be? Um, oh, that's a very good question. I think it'd be th- number three million, which was Woodward's pay package last season. <laughs> which I think also really upsets fans. I mean, the fact is that United, as we know, and in my lifetime, have been the number one club, certainly in this country. Yeah. Maybe in Europe, maybe the world, whatever. But at the moment, the players they've been linked with during this entire transfer window have been the likes of, and this is no disrespect to them as footballers or people, but Odeon Agarlo, who, you know, he was okay at Watford, he was fine. 
Uh, Islam Slimani couldn't get a game at Leicester, ended up going abroad. Carlos Tevez, who I thought had retired about 15 <laughs> years ago. This is not, if you're a United fan and you're reading about this with Woodward and then you're seeing you've been linked with these sorts of players, yeah. that's got to really irk you, hasn't it? Absolutely, and there's no joined up thinking because you're, you're listing those players now. When the last transfer window, the project was to get lots of young yeah. British talent in and, and bring them through and play the long game. So why are they now bringing in these sort of... Uh, fairly average players and I, I i just think it's uh as i said there's no joined up thinking like i was i was you know when they signed one basaka mm. they said that they had i think they went through 800 yeah the database right-backs. of 800 800 right backs that's not what you need you don't need tell you what you know what they, they could many. give us they could give us 20 minutes and me and you could go online and we could find 25 suitable ones forget the rest of the 775 yeah. that they're going through, completely irrelevant. And again, that is bad PR, because you can see there, that is not a club with, like you say, any joined up thinking whatsoever. But, but what they think that they're saying is, oh, we're being really comprehensive and we're yeah. taking this this very seriously, but that's not being comprehensive, that's that's being scattergun with your that's approach. That's 800 teams' first choice right-backs they've looked at. How deep does that go into European leagues? Uh, Worldwide leagues, that must be every single right-back currently one. playing. But, but I also think it's like, you... You, Jurgen Klopp would know the kind of right-back that he wanted if he Absolutely. needed to sign a right-back to fit in with his philosophy of play. You you shouldn't be going through 800. You should be going, this, these are the attributes and the qualities that we want That's right. from a right-back. Um, j- just as a, as a side uh, side little note, Juan Bissaka, he, um, I said from the beginning, like at Palace, he's just not good enough. Um there's some bitterness kicking in here. From yeah, a absolutely. Fan. Some, ri- some, ri- well, almost. You know, I said I hated gloating. Here I am gloating myself. <laughs> I think I was the one from the beginning that when one back Basaka played, everyone was raving about him. And I was like, you watch all of his tackles. They're I all recovery. Him. They're recovery tackles. Every single one is a recovery from yeah, something he's done. If your second touch is a tackle, that's that's not a good thing. Right. So the choices this week then for worst performance are West Ham and Hammerhead, the mascot, or Ed Woodward and his spectacular PR own goal. I'm going to stick with Ed Woodward because I feel like this has reached a tipping point with that club. And it was your answer. And absolutely was my answer. <laughs> and without Danny here, I've got more of a chance at actually getting some on the board. So Edward was my final answer. Can I tempt you to switch over to my side? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm more than happy to switch over to your side. Oh, on you, that one. you can definitely come and do this show again. <laughs> Right, so that's it. It's official. I've won one. Ed Woodward is our worst performance of the week. Carlin is there! Was there any doubt? Well, I don't think so. This boy is very, very special. Long ball play for... Oh, it's Cummings! Edge of the area! 2-2! What a moment in Shrewsbury Town's history! They have come back from 2-0 down against the world and European champions. It was there to be one. We drew, thoroughly deserved at least a draw from the game. So I take a lot of satisfaction out of the team's performance more than anything. Right, moving on then to more positive note. This is the best performance of the week. I'll start with this one. I picked him last week for the hero of the week because he was absolutely outstanding in what can only be described as a cameo performance in which he scored a hat-trick on his debut for Borussia Dortmund. But this week is in my best performance. It is Erling Haaland who again came off the bench at the weekend, again scored two goals and again... I don't want to link it back to Woodward too much, but looks like the Premier League and specifically United have really missed out on a superstar. He seems to have everything you could want in a modern forward. He is far quicker than you would imagine he is, given how broad and strong and tall Mm -hmm. and just powerful he looks. 
Very quick. He can really gas off defenders very quickly. Finishing left or right foot in the air looks great. Mm-hmm. Obviously a sour note in that his agent is someone who wants to move him on pretty quickly to then take a cut of that next transfer fee and you know, whatever, whatever. But while he's there, while he's in Dortmund, which is a great place for him to be at this age, he could genuinely, and this might be a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, could genuinely be one of the top strikers in Europe in the next season or two, unless he's already there now. How much have you seen of him? I've seen quite a fair bit. Um, I don't think that's jumping the gun at all. I think he's absolutely excellent. And I will completely echo what you said, that I can't believe Man United didn't close that deal. It's it's absolutely appalling. Um, and... Again, it's that joined up thinking. I won't talk about this too much, but I think that he's everything that they were looking. They're looking for in terms of a young striker yep. who who uh, can grow uh, into the game. And now that you've seen Rashford's um, injury, and all they've got is Mason Greenwood, who I think is a promising talent. But enough of that. Uh, Erling Haaland, I think he. Again, I I can't add anything beyond what you've said. He's yeah. he's got everything and he he still looks so young so you you must feel that he's got some physical development he looks haunted as well he (laughs) he looks like he's seen something awful and that's maybe what spurs him on in the movie of his life the opening scene would be the sort of batman style tragedy yeah and then he he fights through that and becomes a world-class striker or like he's sort of always running from something yeah and then he has to um he has to sort of make peace with his demons well actually actually he's always running from solskjaer because he left him at mold and then he's also not gone to United. Maybe it's that, who knows? But here's a stat for you, Chloe. <laughs> he has got now, so two more goals over the weekend, which means he's played a total of 59 minutes, mm-hmm. both games off the bench. 59 minutes, six shots, five goals. <laughs> United have got four league goals in 360 minutes. He scored a goal every 11.8 minutes. Yeah. If he yeah. continued, if he continued at <laughs> yeah, this rate for the rest of the season, he would score 119 goals. You put money on it? Yeah, I'll put some I'll put I'll put a little bit of money on it. And you can maybe extrapolate that and say if he continues this for the next 20 years, even more goals. Many goals. Uh, by the way, interesting side note on this Dortmund side, uh, Jadon Sancho, another player who seems to be permanently linked with Manchester United, uh, he's got uh, 14 goals, 15 assists in 26 games. Now, I'm a bit loath to actually look at the stats all the time. It feels very much like a championship manager star thing. Mm. But the output on both those players, very impressive. But so would the price tag be now. Sancho to United... He seems to be the only player that's the only team who who who's linked with him. Yeah. The price now would be astronomical, wouldn't it? Given that he's young and English as well. Well, and if it's Man United, they're going to hike it up. Um, but I, I don't think I I think you shouldn't be loath to say about those stats because those are the stats that matter. Those are the the stats that speak for themselves. Yeah, I could see him going to Chelsea actually. Um, even though it doesn't really make sense to me because they've got sort of Hudson Odoi who yeah. um, should be getting in the team. What I would personally love to see, I think Wilfred Zaha is going to leave Palace at the end of the season, and I really think it is time for him to go. Yeah, I okay, would let's... love to see Zaha go to Borussia Dortmund because I think he would fit into their ph- philosophy um, quite brilliantly. And if Sancho stayed, what a front three! Yeah, that'd be Zaha, Haaland, Sancho, um, and obviously then there would be no risk of Palace having to play Wilfred Zaha, which would break my heart. Um, How would you feel? Do you feel like he's given you? enough years now at the club that you, you, if he was to leave you'd let him leave with all the blessings listen not to be over dramatic but I would feel a heavy sense of grief once <laughs> Wilfred Zaha um, leaves because like I've grown up with Wilfred Zaha I've sort of become become an adult with Wilfred Zaha at Crystal Palace okay. um, but he it it will be like a really sort of uh, an empty he'll leave an empty space in Sellers Park before once 
but he he didn't mean so much to the club then because yeah. he was a promising talent. It was it was like a Juan Basaka losing uh, going last season. You, you you loved him, but you hadn't sort of bonded to him. But now we're bonded to him. But he he deserves to go and play in the Champions League absolutely. Yeah. And I, I I think Borussia Dortmund with that promising young side, I I would love to see him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be good. Haaland's a exciting one to watch, and anyone who's picked alongside him for the next couple of seasons will be will be. Lucky to have him in that side. Helping him chances. get his So my choice goals. there for best performance has been Erling Haaland. Uh, Chloe, for yours, you've gone for an FA Cup minnow getting a great result. Well, it has to be Shrewsbury, surely. Of course it does. Um, I, I think uh, the, the result in and of itself, 2-2 is a brilliant one, but to be coming back from two goals behind is absolutely fantastic. Um, I it, it was obviously a weakened um, Liverpool team, but I always think if you're going to weaken weaken your team at least have sort of sort of a very solid spine and I think Lovren, Matip, Fabinho well, I kind of looked at that and players. thought you know they're, they're Champions League winners they're, they're amazing quality I just assumed that, that you know it would be tough but they'd walk it but yeah. particularly with the young talent of Harvey Elliott uh, Curtis Jones but Shrewsbury just didn't know when to give up and I think uh, bringing on Jason Cummins was an absolute masterstroke I don't know why he didn't start the game Um but he, yeah, he he just looked absolutely fantastic, really dynamic, kind of stretched them, um, and yeah, put away his two chances. Yeah, do you subscribe to the magic of the cup? That phrase, the magic of the cup. Oh, come on, you don't you don't remember the cup when it was in its glory days? The magic of the cup, Chloe. Come on. See, I don't remember the cup in its glory days. The, the, You're so young, though. I'm I'm a child. There's a, um, a baby in the studio. <laughs> I, no, but this is the thing. I think I think a lot of people are living in the past um, of the FA Cup, and I don't really re- like. I know that that sort of people um, from generations above me will sort of talk about amazing cup finals throughout history. Whereas the only one I can really remember from my youth is Liverpool West Ham. Like yeah, that's right. that's the only one I've got, and I think it's to do with the fact that a lot of the stories around the magic of the FA Cup are. Uh, talking about sitting down with your family around the telly and it being one of the only games that you get to watch that week. And or sing the anthem. That, yeah, everyone salute the telly. Having, having a lovely time. It's, it's very nostalgic. Whereas, you know, now you've got sort of Amazon Prime, BT Sport, um, yeah. put, doing doing all day. As it doesn't feel special anymore to, to be sat around watching these. So with that in mind, with the idea that the nostalgia of it is, is irrelevant to a certain degree... Where do you stand on FA Cup replays? Because the game today, Shrewsbury-Liverpool, we're going to a replay now at yeah. Liverpool, which will earn Shrewsbury a lot of money. But if we'd played extra time in that game, we might have seen Shrewsbury progress yeah. uh, in that method. So where do, you, where do you stand on that? Do you not care about them? Do you just want to do the one game, one and done, let's get home? I think I think we've got to a point now where the FA Cup is it's still relevant, but it's something different to what it was. And I think we need to accept that. And I just think... Um, FA Cup replays are probably on balance not worth it no one seems to want them as a fan do you want them is it is it too much football is it is it saturated I think as a neutral fan I don't care but let's say Palace then let's say it's let's say Derby hadn't knocked you out um, in the previous round uh, let's say it had gone to a replay <laughs> how would you have felt about I, a replay? I would rather on that occasion where we are in the league focus on that on balance i was i was i was fine getting knocked out okay so my only argument for keeping the replays is the financial aspect for the lower league clubs yeah and this is what i was going to say i think we now need to look at the fa cup not as this 
romantic thing for the nation it's more about individual clubs so what an individual club can get from it so smaller clubs they can get two things a financial element and sort of the glory of potentially beating a bigger team and playing amazing players world-class players um and bigger teams can get from it having a look at some of their youth talent i think i think those are the two things that you can get for it now but it's not um national and romantic and i think so much more drama can come from um extra time and penalties particularly you know the fa cup is the narrative around it has always been like getting kids to come come to the game and fall in love with football for yeah. the first time and kids love penalties and i think that, <laughs> yeah, that kids love penalties that's true that's um that's definitely something that uh that i think would would yeah. have advanced the game but if if that's the case then of of the bigger clubs using the competition to blood a few youngsters and and try different you know formations or whatever then surely that becomes what the League Cup is, and therefore we don't need both. Yeah. Oh, done. I, right. I, let's move on. I mean, I no, no, no. I, I think, I, I think that your logic is is not flawed at all. But just on a personal level, I quite like the League Cup, and I, I don't have any compelling argument in favour of it. I just think it's good to have those. Yeah. Those four national competitions. There is a way around it. So in Spain, for the Copa del Rey, what they do is they. Um, will give the lower-seeded team home advantage every time. And there'll be one game, and that's it. That one game is done. It's extra time and penalties if necessary. But, for example, the Shrewsbury would have got the home game. It Mm. would have continued till till there was a winner. That Mm. is a way around it, which which actually probably gives you more romance, if you want to use that Mm. phrase, of the cup. Because it means that you're not going to get Liverpool at home to Kidderminster. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get United at home to, you know, whoever. It's always going to be on a smaller, tighter ground where, let's face it, apart from the Tramway game today, it still feels like anything can happen on those tighter pitches. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I really like seeing uh, sort of Minamino, for example, playing one of his first games for Liverpool. Yeah. And just thinking, what must he think of, like, rocking up to this country and thinking it was going to be all glamorous and now he's playing Tramway. But yeah, I, I've heard I've heard the sort of what they're doing with the Copa del Rey uh, floated as an option here. I, I'm not against it. I think I might just be against change in general um, and c- could get used to it. And it, it would... Uh, it would uh, reform the FA Cup, but yeah, keep that sort of romanticism and, and glamour as well. Right, so our choices there then for best performance of the week are Erling Haaland, that was mine, or Shrewsbury Town for their fantastic comeback draw against Liverpool, leading to a replay, which we both love. Uh, <laughs> who, what are you going for there? I think I'm going to go for Shrewsbury Town now. I think you're right. Oh. Erling Haaland, you know, fantastic, superb. But he was hero of the week nomination last week. And crucially... It's FA Cup weekend and, and Shrewsbury probably with the story of the weekend. Absolutely. Are you sticking with I'm yours? I'm sticking with Shrewsbury, yep. Okay, 100%. that's one all then. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to work in the channelised Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both, 
in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Oh, what's going on here? Catanars getting involved with supporters. Oh, this is outrageous. Norman Davis, the Manchester United kit man, trying to pull him away. It's all got wildly out of hand, and once more, Eric Cantona is the man at the centre of a dramatic controversy. When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you very much. <laughs> Right then, on to Villain of the Week. Uh, Chloe, you start this time. Um, it's 25 years now since we saw something at Selhurst Park, which we still talk about. Uh, it's Eric Cantona's mad kung fu minute at your home ground that became the biggest story in the world for quite a long time. 25 years have passed. Why is he your Villain of the Week? He's my Villain of the Week because this incident, which is nothing but horrific seems to be still lauded and praised by Manchester United fans as as an indication of Eric Cantona as this, you know, uh, world-class player, but sort of cult hero status because of all the hijinks he got up to. But he's just an awful, awful man with Mm. anger management problems. (laughs) Okay. And that doesn't detract from him being an amazing footballer, but... You can't be behaving like that, Eric. So you don't like the glorification of someone who is not just a bit of a wacky guy, but actually actively violent against a paying supporter? Absolutely. And I know and understand that the argument has been made that this paying supporter was um, sort of a paid-up member of the BNP, was incredibly racist and an awful person. Um, and there is absolutely no excuse for that. And I really don't want it to be seen that, as a Crystal Palace fan, I'm defending this guy in any way. The only thing that me and that guy have in common is that we both support Crystal Palace. That is the yes. only thing we have in common. I don't defend him whatsoever. But Eric Cantona, whatever anyone says, did not know that. He just kicked a man that was shouting at him. Yeah. We've all been shouted at, and I've never kicked a man. So this is the thing. I, I agree with you. I think that there has to be an understanding in football that when you're booing a player or you're taking the mick out of opposing fans, if you're going to do that, it's fine. As long as you understand this is all under the umbrella of it's a pantomime. Yeah. It's not real. When Robbie Savage was at Leicester City and he had the long hair and we all booed him when we were Derby County supporters, we didn't actually hate the guy. It was just a bit of fun. And he played up to it. He was the villain and we, we were the crowd. 
because about six months later, he was Derby County's captain. And we loved him. <laughs> we loved him. And we can't just love him because he's changed the colour of his shirt. It's because it's a pantomime. Now, once that pantomime spills over and you have, I mean, I don't know exactly what the fan, was it Matthew Simmons? I don't know what, exactly what he said to Cantona, but it would have been something pretty bad, I imagine. Yeah. And for Cantona to react, both parties are at fault. Cantona is a professional and therefore yeah. should be above that. Yeah. But it, it should highlight the fact that it's a multi-billion pound game. Yeah. We should treat it as a game. Guests get, get into it and get opinionated and get uh, emotional about it, but keep it in check. This is ridiculous. But I I think... I I don't know. I just would never defend violence. I think it, it, this guy, Matthew Simmons, could say the worst thing that he could think of and it's still... Yeah. The reaction should not be a kung fu kick. I don't think I can say that enough times. Keep saying it. it I will. Um... Yeah, I... Would you say it's one of the most iconic things that's happened in the Premier League's history? 100%. 100%. I can't imagine... I, I would have been one at the time, and I can't imagine what the... When the news broke of that blimmin' that must have Your been... first am- words. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. First words were, f*** Eric Cantona. Am I allowed to say that? Don't think so. Sorry that's, about that. That's what the Palace fans said. <laughs> uh, no, I... Um, Oh, it just must have been a great episode of Match of the Day. Do you think they were just doing replays and replays and replays of it? I remember it happening. Um, I remember um, it was immediately the biggest news ever. Yeah. And they were talking about, is he going to get banned for life? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Let's not forget, it wasn't just the night that it happened and the fallout from that. It was the press conference with the, <gasps> yeah. the seagull following the trawler. Yeah, 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 it yeah. was Cantona doing his months of... Um, community service work and coaching kids. And genuinely, this is the one thing I say positively about him from this episode, he seemed like a changed man afterwards. He really genuinely looked like a guy who had um, felt ashamed of what he'd done and he went on to be much more stoic, much more much more of a leader within the team and I thought he was, from that point on, uh, great on the pitch and off it. So I think the incident, as terrible as it was, actually turned him into a better, certainly a better player on the pitch and leader for his team, but also potentially a better guy as well. It seemed like he chilled out quite a lot. Um, so I mean I can't I can't say that it's fine for him to jump into the stadium and attack a fan, um, but at least something maybe good maybe came out of it. Who knows? One thing I will say they haven't got a statue of him doing the kung fu kick, which I'm sort of <laughs> surprised by. I'm not surprised by that at all. What, <laughs> what do you think that they would be able to publicly celebrate? Maybe that'll be sort of Neil Ashton's first <laughs> That's the PR PR stunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone, I look think at this. It... <laughs> Forget about the signings. Look at this we've just built. <laughs> Maybe. So your choice for Eric for your choice of villain of the week is Eric Cantona's twenty fifth anniversary of the Kung Fu kick. My choice for villain is Darren England. Now, does that name uh, ring any bells? Yeah, referee. Yes, uh, not just referee. But maybe the worst referee in the country at the moment. Really? Now on Friday night, I watched. Um, I cancelled plans on a Friday night to watch Derby County against Northampton. I mean, that was your first mistake. Of course, it's my. This is my fault. I should be in the middle <laughs> of the week. But I cancelled plans to watch it, and in the first, I think, fifteen minutes or so, the most clear red card you will ever see. Jack Marriott's clean through. He gets not just pulled back like a little pull of the shirt. I think it's both arms yeah. on, Dar- on Jack Marriott's shoulders and pulled down like a rugby tackle. Nothing given. Either the ref has not seen it, which I don't know how that would have happened, or he's seen it and decided not to make the decision. Now, it's not the fact that Darren England made a mistake. People make mistakes. They're human. Fine. It's partly that, because the linesman didn't help him out either. But it's the issue that in the FA Cup this season, there's what seems to be a lottery of who's going to get VAR at game Mm. and who isn't. Premier League teams get VAR. 
Non-Premier League teams don't. So you're relying on the luck of a ball out of a machine to tell you if you are going to get the full treatment of the law that we use at the top league in this country. So without VAR, we don't get to see the proper result given there. It would have been a definite red card. Mm -hmm. It just seems to be completely unfair. We don't know what rules we're playing to. Mm. What is the point of this? Like, I, I, like, I like the idea that um, the FA Cup could be a bit of a bit of a throw throw by competition like we talked about the romance of the cup okay then well let's strip out VAR from all of it let's not have any of that and importantly the red card still wouldn't have been given so your beloved derby would still have drawn nil nil and have had no shots on target against didn't need any shots on target you're missing the point <laughs> we of football see. <laughs> it was I was just I was furious at it in fact when I watched the replay I was literally silent and open mouthed and that is very rare for me <laughs> and I had people texting me being like how I don't understand how this has happened but the referee decision is one thing. The lack of VAR is another. When we played you in the previous round, yeah. we had VAR, and actually it worked against you because you had Milivojevic was sent off for something and, quite, something and nothing. Quite quite fairly, I think. I can't believe that Milivojevic hasn't been sent off before. He's a dirty, dirty player, but he's yeah. our dirty, dirty player, so I love guy. him. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but I just feel like you have to have a level playing field in all competitions that you play. When you, when you cross the white line and play a game of mm. football, you need to know every time that it's going to be consistent. And but, for it to not be really frustrates me. But and this isn't just the Derby County thing, by the way. I think it's across the board. This happened last <laughs> season with Swansea and Man City as well, if you remember, where Swansea should have had another goal or a penalty or something, but VAR wasn't yes, being used. Yes, I do remember, yeah. And it was absolutely mind-blowing to me that you could do that in, in what is, oh, it's not the Premier League, but it is a, a huge, huge tournament with a lot of money behind it and a lot of eyes globally watching it. I, I think the argument against that is that it needs to be consistent not across the round and across the country. It needs to be consistent across the game. I don't personally agree with that. Um, I think it should be, uh, uh, you know, what the same rule for everyone. But I guess I guess the, the argument also is if you've got the technology to, in, uh, you know, air quotes, improve a game, then why wouldn't you use it even if it is in just a few of the games? Yeah. Because what could have happened is that you know, um, in the all Premier League fixture, which was Burnley Sheffield United or Norwich, Burnley Norwich, um, you know, that that exact thing could have happened. They've got the capacity to, to use yeah. VAR, then we're going, well, why didn't you use it if it's not there? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, the issue is that had we been a Premier League team and had we been playing at home, the result would have been different as a result of this. And I'm not, I'm not happy, I'm not comfortable. There are a lot of ifs there, aren't there? Of course there are. But I'm very uncomfortable with the the order of a draw determining the right decision being made. Yeah. The reason VAR came in in the first place, as we all thought, was to eliminate howlers. And that's what that exactly mm. was. And, it, and actually, it highlighted that, yes, there's been plenty of teething problems with VAR in the Premier League. Mm. At least you're sort of reducing those howlers a bit in the first season. And hopefully by next season, with more use of pitch-up monitors, you'll see them reduced entirely. Mm -hmm. So, just, it really wound me up, Chloe. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of venting at you here. It's not really your fault. Um, is it? <laughs> Maybe it is. Uh, it was. I was directly. Well, actually, funny you should say that. Um, I used to referee when I was 17 and 18. Um, I'm not sure why. Uh, it was a crazy decision of mine. But I made a very similar poor decision to um, Darren England. And I still I still think about it to this day because yeah. I, could, I didn't see the decision, but I knew that it was a stonewaller because... The Very interesting the little team, insight into a referee's The team that mind. it happened against were like screaming for it. Right. And the team um, that did it looked very sheepish. So I was okay. like, oh, I think I've made a little bit of a howler here. But I didn't see it, so I couldn't give it. So what I kind of... 
I don't know, I was probably just thinking about my GCSEs or something. <laughs> the thought of you pre-GCSEs refereeing a football game. <laughs> yeah, and like also like, you know, me, well, I'm I'm quite tall, but a girl against sort of the big burly men was, um, <laughs> it was quite a scary position to be in. Okay, so I've got a clue then that you might not nominate Darren England this week because of just sort of <laughs> empathy. Uh, but the choices are for Villain of the Week, Eric Cantona or Darren England. I am going to go with Eric Cantona. I'm going to go with your side here. I and think say that's that very... actually he is the villain of the week because it's important to highlight the fact that although he is a legend of the game, you really can't be doing that. And Don't we kung fu that kick is, is the message of Stop this podcast. Kung fu kicking podcast. people, Eric. But then again, like I know it was fortunate that he kung fu kicked a racist, but it is nice to know. You can't flip on it now. You, you... I just think you're being very benevolent. It happened 25 years ago. <laughs> right, you've misunderstood the podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm fighting to win. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. It's Eric Cantona, we can move on. Yeah, it's Eric Cantona, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, Eric Cantona is the villain of the week. Yeah, it's always important to score, especially if we go and win. But like I just said in the interview up there, that's only banter between the fans. I missed the chance in the first half, which I should have scored. I was disappointed in that, and then I had their fans giving me a bit of stick. So if, you, if you're going to give it, you've got to expect to take it as well. So it's nice to give them a little bit back, but yeah, it was just only a bit banner. The full-time whistle has gone, and this looked to be a problematic tie for Manchester United, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team were clinical in the extreme during the first half. Now on to Hero of the Week. Uh, I will start this time. Um, I'm going to go for the Tranmere pitch. Now, throughout this podcast, Chloe, we've talked about the romance of the Cup. It's been actually a really fun weekend of FA Cup action, I think. Yeah. The Tranmere pitch, to me, felt like a beautiful throwback to mid-90s football. It felt like it was a real le- leveller for for the game in as terms they, of the talent. As United won 6-0. Yep, yeah, but for the first 10 minutes, it felt like <laughs> a real game. It felt like I was watching something that was... If I, I don't know what it felt like. I felt like watching a game at the Dell in 1996, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the spirit of the cup was sort of seemed to be localised in that sort of homage to the Somme that it looked like. Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting that United play some of the most beautiful uh, football that they've played all season. And yep. I don't know whether it's like the bobbliness of the pitch sort of gave it like corrected the margin of error that their passing has had for the rest of the season. Yeah. Like it it was going to be off, but the bobble made it. I think they were just uh, focusing and concentrating much more intently because of the bobbles on the pitch. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it was, it, it felt mid nineties in so many ways you had, um, well, for a start, you had someone called Caprice on the pitch. I've not heard <laughs> that name since Tony Adams was going out of there in about 97 or whatever. <laughs> that, was, that really added to it. But, I have a feeling you might see a plough go into Old Trafford this week and churning that up as well, just to make sure they've realised, oh, this is this is what we need. We don't need signings. We need someone <laughs> to churn through our ground. But it just felt like a real throwback, and it was very exciting. Yes, OK, 6-0 doesn't look like a good... It's not a good look for, for Tranmere, not a good look for the Cup, to yeah. be honest. But it was just, for me, it felt like I was, you know, I was 10 years old again, watching the FA Cup, a tear in my eye, Chloe. It was, a tear in your eye. It was, and it, to be fair, Man United fans are living in the past, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe it just was a was a nice uh, throwback to when they were good. Yeah, yeah. I sort of wanted Steve Bruce to come on or <laughs> Gary Pallister, but uh, <laughs> and then you also had, I mean, you had this really interesting thing with the game where you've got the obviously the insane riches of 
United. You've got a guy at United there, Jesse Lingard, who hasn't scored for a year. Yeah. Managed to get on the score sheet today. Um, has his own range of perfume, which we've discussed on this uh, podcast before. But the the uh, the difference between the two clubs in terms of stature, but also the individuals as players. Mm. And for that first 10 minutes, I keep going on about it, that first 10 minutes, it felt like a real cup tie. Soon. And then sadly, United went and scored about three worldies, which they haven't done for about three years. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was just bizarre. Um, I'm sorry, I, I'm sh- as you say, this is ground that's been covered, but would you wear a Lingard scent? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I would. What <laughs> I don't do know what it smells, smells like. like. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get into that. But I, <laughs> I would because then it's just a funny conversation starter, isn't it, with your mates? What's that, what's that smell? It's Jay Ling's. We've spoken about PR. I'd love to do the PR on um Jesse Lingard's scent because he's really into dabbing, isn't he? So you could do something with a nice, oh, nice pun. Good. Have a little dab, dab. dab it on. Yeah. Dab. Yeah. Hey, you, you're in the wrong job. I should be Neil Ashton. You should be near Well, you should be United's PR. I shouldn't be Neil Ashton. He's a Palace fan. Is he? Have you ever seen me and Neil Ashton in the same room? That's actually very true. Exactly. Can't very argue true. with that. Uh, can you beat the Tranmere pitch as Hero of the Week? What's your choice? You've gone for someone who has echoes here of uh, Emmanuel Adebayor several yeah, years ago. Yeah, I'm going to back myself on this one because I haven't for the rest of the show. Um, Sam Klukas I've gone for. Mm. And what so, so what he's done is uh, Stoke City versus Swansea. Swansea is his, his old club. Um, instead of doing the lovely, humble sort of, I'm not going to celebrate after I've scored a goal, he's gone herring up the other end of the pitch to celebrate in front of the Swansea fans. What I liked about it was that it was so good good-natured because the Adebayor one was fast it was gurning he was angry and you could see the Arsenal fans absolutely just chucking stuff apoplectic with rage they were fuming whereas Sam Klukas kind of um gently strolls down the other end of the pitch grinning his face off and then he turns to about three Swansea supporters just <laughs> in this tiny section of the stadium and you know gives it the points at his back of his shirt and just looks absolutely jolly um so why is this but why is this okay and yet Hammerhead the mascot isn't because um because Sam Klukas has scored a, a very good goal at a good the, level Hammerhead of football the mascot has, whereas has Hammerhead has beaten a boiler at <laughs> at a running race there, yeah, there's no, the difference <laughs> and also just yeah I, I've i really come round to um, players that are masters of the dark arts yeah. I used to hate it but um, I Busquets find it really and Ramos and all Ramos. that Ramos James Ward-Prowse was a real um, little uh, nasty one he's got one. a real thing with Zaha you know the yeah, last yeah, couple yeah. of seasons and and, and uh, I was sat for the the Palace-Southampton game I was sat right on the corner flag and he was coming over and taking corners and we were really giving it to him and he was giving it back but it was lovely he it should was, have kung fu kicked you he Larry. should have kung fu kicked me and um and and I probably would have deserved it, you know, after that decision I made when I was 17 years old and a terrible football referee. Yeah, I, I think you're right, though, about the adebayor Klukas difference, which is, yeah, Klukas look fresh-faced and cheeky. It didn't seem... A, a strawberry blonde, may I, may I suggest? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, the, the most in, innocent of hair colours. He couldn't be, he couldn't be a bad guy. He could, could he? And, and he wasn't a bad guy. It was just so funny that... And I, I haven't seen the point into the back of the shirt for a long time. It doesn't sit well with me. I've got to say. Okay. I don't. I don't like it. I. I appreciate that. I appreciate the skullduggery of yeah. it and the winding up of opponents. Yeah. So I'm. I'm okay with that. But I just think you've got. You've got supporters in the stadium who are. Who are on your side. Support with those guys. Celebrate with those guys. Don't run down the other end of the pitch. You make a compelling argument, but if I. If I'm. If I'm at a derby game and 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 one of our players. I want them, I want to know that they are committed to my 
committed to my team and interested in my team. Not no, they, no, 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 no. Not no. that they're still hung if, up about their ex-girlfriend no, and going no, no. over there and celebrating. If you, if you saw who are who are Derby's big rivals? Forest, Leicester, Leeds. Imagine, like, come on! If your players giving something to one of them, you're going to love it. Yeah, I mean, of course, I it's just that. really funny when it happens when it's one of your players. The binocular Bielsa thing last season was fantastic. <laughs> best, actually, the best night of my life. <laughs> So my choice for hero is the Tranmere pitch. Oh, God bless that Tranmere pitch. And your choice, Chloe, uh, is Sam Klukas. Um I'm going to go as it's FA Cup weekend with the Tranmere pitch. Uh, feel free to change your mind. Uh, I honestly won't hold it against you. I'm going to stick with Sam Klukas. I really liked him. Oh, right, okay, so that's stalemate then. So I think oh, you wait, have, was that? I think by, by hook or by crook, we you have won the week. Which and is, I was really doing my best to sabotage it there at <laughs> various points. Don't let the listeners know that. <laughs> so that has been the record book. The game day record book. Game day record book. So that concludes the game day record book podcast. Chloe, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest, particularly for your debut. Thank you so much for having me, mate. Uh, thanks for being on. Um, you've brought up some outstanding points, and I think you probably just edged it this week. Thank you. I appreciate it. Danny Kelly will be back in the hot seat next week with another edition of the show. Until then, goodbye. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.